0: To you this morning and I hope you are glad to be here. I'm glad that folks can join us again online and we're hopeful that you are feeling a participant today. I hope you're feeling well. seems like if my calendar is correct, autumn begins this week. That's kind of an interesting thought. I keep wondering where summer went. I almost feel like we got robbed of summer a little bit in a way. It was beautiful summer, I think, but uh, we kind of got robbed of some of the pleasures of it in a way. but We'll look forward to better days ahead. We are pressing forward. I appreciate Bill's remarks. As we strive to gain a a sense of normalcy, we'd like to do that as much as we can, but we want everyone to be safe. We're thankful that we have not had uh, strong outbreaks. Some congregations, uh, churches have had real problems, but we have not, and we hope that continues that way. We're thankful for your your participation as much as you can we know there are many who are very hesitant to come into an assembly and we I do understand that I think we all do but it is it is a difficult time but I'm very glad that you are willing to come out and to be here today and I'm glad that others are online and uh, uh and let me say I did not intend to uh make great acknowledgments of 20 years. I think if we're going to acknowledge anything, we've got to acknowledge a congregation that would put up with somebody for 20 years. But just think, my wife's put up with me for more than double that, uh, nearly 43, uh, about 10 days away, 43 years. That is right, isn't it? Seemed like to her it seemed like sixty three but uh, i oh my we 've had, had fun it 's been a good twenty years, and we we look forward to the days that are coming ahead it 's going to be a great time as well. We want to get past some of the things that are going on in a way, and yet we want to do our best right within them because this is where we live. Okay, that has nothing to do with the lesson, so let 's get to the lesson at hand. I noticed that the guys back here have switched places, and that looks kind of dangerous to me maybe. I, I 'm worried if we don't get online right uh, this this week, then uh, we, we can blame somebody other than Josh this week. Is that right? Okay, very very good. We get to blame blame, uh, blame Ben if it, it didn 't get recorded right or we 're not online. if you 're not seeing us, call the Huff household. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. They're doing great. I appreciate those guys doing great. I do look forward. It's not going to be very long. In the next, probably the next two or three weeks, you're going to see the new equipment in place. You should be able to see better on each side of the auditorium. We look forward to that and uh, be able to... present the things that we need to present on screens. It's become a part of our society today. I know many of you grew up like I did. We didn't know anything about stuff like that. That was the best we could do was uh, the old film strips through the projectors or, or so forth back in the day. And, and that was the best we could do. And things have changed, and we're thankful that we can do what we are able to do today. So let's talk about going into the light. In John chapter 1, a beautiful writer. John, John is an amazing writer. The beauty of the Gospel of John is just overwhelming. Luke's may be the best grammatically gospel, I'm talking about the writing, but John's has a beauty, a figurative nature about it. The, the figures that come out in his writing are marvelous. And I think if you, you haven't taken time to recognize how how amazing they are and what it took to put that together. It wasn't just inspiration that brought that about. There was within John that talent and that ability to do that and he brought that out and so we should appreciate the beauty that is in it as well as the wonderful accuracy and the picture of the life of Jesus that is there. It's a unique gospel but it begins in a unique way and I want us to think about that a little bit this morning in regard to the keeping the idea of God through Jesus, life and light. I want to read, really, we could read the first 13 verses, but let's just read the first five as we put them up there. John 1, 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Notice it changes there. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. When you read that, you can't help but notice the similarity to the very beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and things were created, it says. What I'm reminded when we think about this is things, these things don't happen just by accident. These things don't happen by accident. By these things, I'm referencing the ones that we see and we, we take for granted or we use every day. Look at the order around you. We may wonder about some of the things that that are happening and why they happen as they do. But look at the order that is around you and what you see every day. And I think we have to recognize the determination of a complex and ordered mind is involved in everything that we see. Unless that's wives looking at husbands, but that's a whole different story. But the things that we see are ordered and put together, and and it took some mind to be able to bring about the marvelous, scientific, wonderful order that is there every day, the measurements of all the things that go into play that make a day, a world, a universe be what it is. It took an amazing mind beyond comprehension to be able to do that. I'm not trying to give a scientific lesson on the origin of the universe today. That would take more time than I've got. But there are some things that run through my mind. For I was listening to a It wasn't a scientific podcast, but I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were talking about telescopes and the discovering of the galaxies and their movements of the galaxies and so forth that that are there, and they began to recognize that galaxies appeared to be moving further and further away, moving across the face of what we know as space and moving further and further from one another and ultimately came down to the idea that everything began at one point, now listen to this, began at one point in space, and with that so called bang, that big bang, everything is moving outward from there in that way. But now, I'm not going to argue how things are moving and, and, and all. I think that has a lot to do with perspective, but you know, let's we'll, we'll stop at that for a moment. But the thing that caught my attention when I listened to this, this is where my mind goes. So, this is where my mind goes. He said, it began at one point in, notice notice this, one point in space. So in other words, the beginning began at a point in space that already existed. What? Seemed like there's a little bit of wonder and inconsistency in there, and I said, space in what? What space are we talking about? It's not my closet, because it's full of junk. But no, what space are we talking about? In other words, there was already an existence, and then we've got another existence, and I'm thinking, oh, wait. Now, there are going to be some scientists and others who are going to say, you're a moron. Russ, you're a moron. You just don't understand. You're not seeing things as you ought to see them, and I'm not arguing against studies and science and movements of galaxies. That's not my point. I'm just saying, what space are we talking about here? Because everything we see testifies of an ordered and a marvelous mind. Now, I've got a friend, Jimmy Ross, who uh, lives in Minko, has a honey business, and also preaches for the church out there. And we've we've known Jimmy and his family for over 40 years now, like 42 years. We've known them. And Jimmy loves to play golf. He loves to play golf. As long as I've known him, he's loved to play golf. He's had some problems with joints and so forth, because Jimmy's getting old, because he's, he's a little bit older than I am. But he, he loves to play golf, and he has that in common with some of you who, who love the sport and love that sport. And one day we were going along together, and I asked him what it was about golf. See, I'm a non-golfer. What he loved about golf so much. What was it about golf that he loved so much? And he said, well, you know, there is the, the game itself, the competition against yourself, and always trying to be better. And he, he mentioned a few things. He said, but that's not really the thing. That's not really the thing. He said, there was more. He said that when you're playing a round of golf, most courses are among the most beautifully landscaped and maintained places that you will find anywhere. And so he turned to me and he asked, who wouldn't want to spend a few hours in a beautiful place? Now you say, what in the world does a golf course have to do with what you're talking about this morning? Now, I don't think I need to advocate for the sport of golf. No. But I want you to think about what he said about golf courses. For they don't come to be the places that they are without great planning, without great work, without bringing them to be and without maintaining them in a good way. You, you can go up here to OSU OKC, and you can study how to, how to develop and maintain golf course. They've got guys that are just stronging to go up there and study that and learn how to do it because they love working in those beautiful places and setting up these places. And for a beautiful golf course to attract players, it takes great planning, enormous work, and great maintenance for it to endure and to be such a marvelous environment that people want to be involved in that place, as I say. These things don't happen by accident. You get it? That's what John tells us. These things don't happen by accident. The almost poetic words that are found at the beginning of this gospel account reach out, they touch us, and impress us with the magnitude of what is given to us. And he says what he has done is God has given us light. We have been given the light. In other words, we've been given something to see, to understand, to hold on to, something very special. So think about this for a moment. He says, in the beginning." was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. What he says is, I was with you from the very start. Again, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God. What's in the very beginning of what we know? The Word, or the logos here, is about power. And really, Genesis 1, and even what John has to say here, is just a brief description, especially Genesis 1, is a, just a brief description of the beginning of the world of what we know. It wasn't the beginning of God. We don't know beyond that. But what we know is here is where God began to form what we know and brought about what we know as this world. It was not the beginning of God. And so, in the beginning, God, in the beginning, was the Word, as I said, the Logos. It's not just literal words. It wasn't, it wasn't English, even King James English, it wasn't. The Word is more than that. It is power. It's the life that he's talking about here. The writer of the book of Hebrews would say in the fourth chapter in verse 12, if you, you think about that, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, the word is not just the ink on a page. It's, just not, it's not just the sound out of a mouth. It is the power that he is talking about, the power of life, the power of understanding, the power of enrichment that was there. And so what we have here is an introduction to the understanding of the power that is exerted in this world and that is available and made for us to live and to have our lives and to have them abundantly. And there was a light and there is a light. You think about when humanity is brought into or created in this environment, it was a marvelous environment, a perfect environment for people to live. Adam and Eve, this marvelous garden in which they lived, and we were there in that ideal environment, and then that environment is lost, and we can't have that, we can't get back to that, but everything about us longs to find it again. And that's the way we do with life. When we have known highs, we get to lows and we want those highs again. At low points, people often look for restoration. We want to get back to what we had before. We want to gain in that understanding of what we had. We want to get what might have been, what we dreamed about, what we hoped about, what we hear about. But it's not just there, it's even when our blessings, even when our blessings are full, we long for even something fuller. There is no absolute satisfaction. We don't say, I've got enough, I'm just going to stop at that, I don't want any, no more blessings, no more blessings. We don't say that. Let the blessings roll. We want blessings. And when we've got some, we want even more. When we have one, we want two. When we've got two, we want four. That's the way we are. We want blessings, not just because we're selfish, but because we enjoy and we love the blessings and what they mean and what they are for us. I think about that rich young man that came to Jesus in Matthew 19. Look at verse 16. That young man came and he said, Good teacher, what good thing might I do to inherit eternal life? And they look at him, and he's got wealth, he's got blessings, things have come his way. He even loves God. Good things in his life. And he's longing for even more. Isn't that the the nature of humanity? That's the way we are in a lot of ways. And what Jesus did is brought the life that is the light, the opening door for us. That's what it says, verse 7, in this very reading. So in the beginning, he was the source and is the source. Then as we read and as we recognize the need and how real it was, he became not only the source but the resource. Life and life that's lost and life regained because the resource that is there in him. It's not that God had gone away. God never went away. He's not left us. He's not left us without light. For as it says here, in Him was the life, and that was the light of men. We have the life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have it abundantly. Verse 10 of John 10. Beautiful writing. In 1 John 5, 13, that you might know that you have this life. God hasn't gone away. He gave us a light. He gave us a life. The opportunity is there in it. In the beginning was God, and God is still that same source today. That's the point of John's great gospel. And I want to add to it because these things don't happen by accident. God had a plan, and He followed that plan. He had a plan neither we nor this world are the result of an unplanned accident it wasn't something that just came along it wasn't just one day God woke up and said well I guess I better do something about humanity that's a human matter that's a human way of dealing with things we are not part of an unplanned accident event or process there was a determination to bring humanity to life and into this world Let us make man, let us make man and let us make man in our image. And that's talking about humanity there, not just men. That's humanity. Let us make humanity and let us make it in our image image verse 26 genesis 1 there is a determination there other animals other elements of the creation are stated very plainly but when it comes to humanity it says let us make man in our image it's not that God didn't plan the other things but there is a determination a plan from God to bring about humanity very special in that way and even and even when that first recorded sin that first sin is brought to bear immediately God has a plan for restoration. He doesn't leave them empty. He doesn't just leave them hanging out there. There is a plan for restoration. For after the initial question, who told you? What have you done? God begins to address their practical needs. They're going to need clothing they're going to need food to eat they're going to need a place to live and God begins to take care of even those needs read Genesis 3 and you find exactly what I'm talking about there God is not only the source of beginning God is the source of a new beginning as well so we are not as some think we are just the product of good luck that's not the way it is God unfolded his plan God unfolded His plan and He unfolded it through Jesus. It was not an afterthought, but a well-considered plan. Ephesians 1 and verse 10 refers to the fullness of time, the opportunity of time, the, the right time and the right place to bring this about. God did that with through Jesus and he brought him into this world and if you look through history you see all these events that took place and you see so many of those prophets 400 600 800 years before Jesus came into the world we see these prophets beginning to tell read that book of Isaiah you might have to filter through a few things but you find even as Isaiah hundreds of years before the coming of Jesus talks about the suffering Savior and the suffering servant and what he brings even 400 years, four centuries before Jesus was born, Malachi talks about the preparation for that great day that he would come. Prophets, including up and and up and two, John the Baptist, all pointed to Jesus. And isn't it interesting that as we think about Jesus, we think about the sacrifice that he made, and as this same writer, John, records in that That amazing book, the Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8 he speaks of that lamb, speaking of Jesus, that lamb that was slain not just at that one point in time but was slain from the foundation of the world, he said the plan of God was in place, God had a plan and it was in place but then there's the note when you get to verse 11, there's a sense here of almost utter dismay because you look at this and you say wow how did this happen for it says he came into his own but his own did not receive him you know it doesn't matter what time of day it doesn't matter what the day's been like it doesn't matter what it's been at all when i come home there is a great greeting for me when i come home Well, it's just the dog, but at least he does. How would you like to come home? How would you like to come home? And finally they say, eh, we don't care. We don't care. You can go someplace else. We really don't care. Now we may joke and we may laugh and we may poke fun at one another and we may sometimes feel like we're not fully addressed, maybe we're ignored a little more than we ought to be and we we get that way with one another, but I think there is never that sense that we are not wanted where we are. Jesus came into his own and his own would not receive him. He brought a light into a dark, dark world. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 6, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He brought light into the dark world. But as verse 11 says, his own did not receive him. Sometimes people don't want the light. Not really exactly a parallel, but I keep thinking about that silly animated movie, *A Bug's Life*, where two of the bugs are flying on one. Got the the bug zapper out there, and that light is shining, and the and the one bug hollers at to the other bug, "Harry, don't look at the light." I think that's the way some people feel about Jesus. Don't look at Him because it's going to change you. Don't look at Him because it's going to be different. Don't look at Him. Not everyone wants to see the light. There are many who fear the change that it will bring to their lives. Men love the darkness rather than the light, John would record a little later, because they wanted to hold on to or keep their evil deeds. Or because their deeds were evil. He came into his own, and his own did not receive him. Perhaps there are a few more hurtful feelings than to make a loving gesture of opportunity only to have it totally ignored or completely rejected. I'm so glad that verse 12 is there, though. But as many as did, as many as did receive him, to them, to them, to those who received him, to those who saw the light, to those who went into the light, those who grabbed the light, to them, he gave that opportunity, that power, that blessing to become the children of God. He came into his own. Fortunately, there were those who received him. Every now and then, we we hear about some renowned athlete who's grown up, been out, made a name for himself, gotten awards and everything else, and that athlete who returns to his or her home, to her hometown or her home school and his place, and there decides to help and coach and work with the young people. They're providing opportunities for them. And usually it is associated with a lot of applause and excitement. And Look here, so-and-so has come home and what a great day that is. But it wasn't always so with Jesus. Read that story in the fourth chapter of Luke when Jesus came back to Nazareth. They didn't just embrace him. When he returned to Nazareth, it was not taken well. Who is this guy? Who does he think he is talking to us the way he is? But again, I'll say, I'm so thankful for verse 12. He came to give us light and to give us life. Draw upon on the 39th verse of Acts chapter 2. For this promise is to you and to your children. Even them that are afar off. As many as the Lord our God may call. He came to give you and me. He came to give us light and life. And so I say, the restorative light in Jesus gives us the power The privilege and the opportunity to be the children of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Nothing was made without the Word. He was involved in all that was there, came into this world, and gave the opportunity of light and life to us all. There it is. John writes it in a beautiful way, in a marvelous way. And even as he writes it, and even as we read it, we have to recognize what an amazing marvelous overwhelming gift it really is we're going to sing that song of encouragement this morning perhaps there is someone who's never obeyed the gospel or has a need this morning that you want to make known we're glad to share that opportunity with you all you'd have to do you're in a, in a comfortable place in a place where people would love you if you need to respond this morning the opportunity is yours all you'd have to do is come while we stand and sing together